Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, church. Welcome to the building. Uh, we're going to mix things up today. Is that okay? Well, I know we didn't vote on it. You kind of you kind of didn't do that. You guys, you know, you get to vote. This is a voting church. You know that? You vote every week. You vote every day of your life, whether this is a priority to you or not. So that's the vote. You vote with your giving. You vote with showing up. You vote with, uh, with serving. That's your vote. Praise God. So we're a voting church. Now, go. we don't vote over the color. You see what happened? We took a vote over the color of the carpet. Just look at it. We tried to satisfy every vote. It doesn't work. Okay, so God gives leadership, and we pray and make decisions, and we don't get caught up in the stuff that doesn't matter, like the color of the carpet, right? right. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a church split over that. That's sad. That's sad time, sad day. Well, I... I haven't had a microphone in my hand because we had guest speakers last weekend, and then so I better get after this, huh? Y'all want to get into the word? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for your word. It's a lamp yes. to our feet, a light to our path. It's not your great suggestion book. It's your right. great commandment book. It's your great guide. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's meant to examine our hearts, our lives, our motives. Yes. It's, it's meant to bring renewal to our minds that we may prove what your good, perfect, and acceptable will is. And so we pray, Father, that we'll be washed with the water of your word. Right. We pray, God, that our hearts will be open, our minds will be renewed. Yes. Most of all, God, grace would come upon us, each and every one, to put it into practice so that your, your word would not return void, but it would accomplish what it's sent forth to do. And that's to bear fruit, and that fruit would remain, and we'd so prove to be your disciples, glorify you, our Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. We pray this in Jesus' name, yes. and all of God's people said, amen, and amen. Well, I want to begin with uh, Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. That's where it happens when men fall asleep during church services. <laughs> Their Eve that we're about ready to have introduced takes the elbow to the rib to wake him up. Praise God. That's where that, that happens, all right? So, ladies, fulfill your job. 
Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from Adam, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And that's where, well, we just, Susan and I, we were at a wedding last night. I did a wedding uh, ceremony. Uh, a young man approached me two years ago who I've known since he was two years old. And he, he said, two years ago, he, he said, will you do my wedding? And um, I said, I would be honored to. So Pastor Kurt filled in last night and he preached a great word called, you dig it, from the 70s. So y'all need to, I don't know if that's going to be available or not, but maybe it's on our YouTube channel. You can go watch it. It was a great word. It really was. But so Adam was asleep and he couldn't think of any other name. I mean, he named every animal, every creature. But when he woke up and saw this beauty next to him he goes whoa man <laughs> I appreciate my humor and they were both naked that's Texan for naked the man and his wife were not alarmed not ashamed Ephesians chapter Honey, why don't you read that? Okay. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love its own so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So, this morning, we want to talk to you. Uh, we were going to title this marriage, what are this, this, yeah, title this marriage. We should title this marriage, what were we thinking? <laughs> That's been my life <laughs> that, motto. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that's no joke. Uh, what we were thinking. Wow. Uh, we thought about uh, putting our, you know, our wedding day picture up and showing two 23-year-olds looking, you know, and uh, 23. Oh, I thought you said 23. No, it's 23. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Yeah, 23. And um, that would probably be a thing. You could put clueless across the top of it, too. You know, you're like, he's just like clueless about what marriage was and so honestly, we were thinking, we just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary on May 15th. And um, I told my friends, some, several friends um, texted me and congratulated me. And I said, it's a miracle. <laughs> and it truly is. It is. And so um, we were talking, we've never done this before. I don't think we've ever. Okay, co I'll try to let you talk. Okay. And uh, 
But 40 is a number, a biblical number for testing. Of Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness, prayer and fasting with testing. Moses, uh, the children of Israel going through the desert for 40 years. It is a, a, a test. And so we've survived a 40-year so far. Uh, I mean, yeah, we made 40 years of testing. And um, we just keep signing up year after year for the test. We take one year at a time. Yeah. So it's just for, for new couples or yeah. those who are considering being married that you just take it one year at a time and it doesn't seem like you're stuck forever. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys, come on, you, you all like, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. And, um, but we live in the real world. We live in the real world. We don't live in this, um, fluffy religious world. We live in the real world, uh, where, where, um, Things, life happens uh, and things come out. And so we're, we're titling this Life Lessons from 40 Years of Marriage. They're not all of our life lessons, but as we reflected, we took a week of um, just the two of us to get away and uh, reflecting over what are some of the key things that we could maybe share that would help you, help all of us, whether you're married or not. These are relational things that we can incorporate into our life. Um, and the first one is just kind of a point of some of the non-negotiables that we've established. And a non-negotiable means there's no negotiation. It's, it's, set, it's settled. You, you don't go, uh, there's a lot of things in life that are negotiable. You negotiate when, what time you want to go to lunch. You negotiate where you go to lunch. There's a lot of negotiation that goes on, but there's some things that, that there's no negotiation about. And that's what we call the live for, die for um, things that we are like, this is an absolute for us. And, and the first one is just in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. We were committed to honoring God. Like I was not going to marry Susan if she was not going to put God first. I mean, this was not, I mean, there was attraction. I definitely thought she was cute. I definitely had thoughts I shouldn't have as a Christian Bible school student. I'm just confessing. Uh, and, and I, I um, you know, liked her. And I, I still that like her most helps. of the time. <laughs> but we were committed to honoring God and putting God first. Order does affect outcome. Order affects outcome. And a lot of times in marriage, we get that out of order. We think we're first. You see, we get married to be happy, to find a companion, to find. The new terminology is, I'm still trying to find my person. I'm thinking, are there any other types? Like, there are non-persons? But anyway, um, we're committing to honoring God and putting him first. But we get married to be happy or to find a, to be complete, to be completed, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But God causes us to want to be married, which is God's idea. People want to know it's a social construct. No, it's God's idea. Marriage and the family and a husband and a wife are God's construct God's 
institution, if you want to call it that. And no matter what society wants to do to try to mess with that, it will only bring destruction. When you do not follow God's ways, you get chaos. You get destruction. And so, do you want to comment more on that first point? No, I just think it, it's extremely important that that was the first thing. That, you know, we're a three-stranded cord made up of spirit, soul, and body. And yet, we made that decision that God was going to be first. That we were going to continue to say yes to him and honor him and, and obey him even when it was difficult, even when it was hard, because we built that foundation that, that God is first, and then from that we, we live, right? His word is, is true. His word is worth honoring, and we're going we're gonna to make the decision that that's how we're going to live. And so that it, it's helped us through 40 years of ups and downs and, and very difficult seasons, very difficult times, and um, it's made all the difference. Yeah. That, one of the things, too, that I, we put on this note was just finances. Um, that can become one of the, I think in North America, according to Dave Ramsey, it's still like the number one cause for marital tension and even divorce is financial tension. And one of the things that Susan and I just from the beginning, like, do you tithe? <laughs> like, do you honor God with the first 10%? Do you believe in generosity and giving? Because it was a revelation. It wasn't a law for us. It was a revelation. It's just like what Lungs shared. It's a grace. It's a revelation that God is to be honored. Abraham tithed 400 years before the law yeah. was ever given. Right. It wasn't a tax then. It was a, it was a revelation of Abraham who understood that Melchizedek, who was a form of a pre-incarnate Christ, was worthy of the first fruits of the spoils of that war. And it's out of that revelation, and it was in my heart, and that we were going to be percentage givers. And that was just it. We weren't going to take every raise we got or every blessing that we got and just, you know, get more stuff and then have to pay for it to be fixed and taxes on it and all the other stuff. But rather, every time we would just keep going up, like, a half a percent or a percent more or two percent or three. We just were committed to that. So that's never been a fight over us. Now we have struck we have fought over budgets and there was a time That's not in our notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we both came from from two different worlds uh, as far as finances and we learned a lot. And yeah. And now we're living the fruit, right, of yes. that 40 years later. 40 years. We were in the desert, the wilderness, for 40 <laughs> years. And then, no. Yeah. So, no, that's not true, but yeah. And, and so we had to deal through those issues. We had to deal through the emotional attachment to money. We had to deal with how we were raised and our views on money and what it was meant for and what its purpose was. We had to deal with, with our personalities that play a role in it. We had to deal with our love languages. And uh, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's all, it's all, the thing, the point is, is that life doesn't come at you, you know, God, others, and you. It comes at you. It does. It, it's, you know, the, I'm, we're not here to give you a formula. We're here, God wants to impart his life to us so that, as we learned from Bob and Audrey last week, respondability. 
Christ in us responding to life that happens to us, that doesn't happen in our segmented, linear world that we've got all planned out. And so that's the whole point, the incarnation of Christ in our lives. And as I said, we got married for a lot of different reasons. And then we began to discover God's reason. And that was for us, for Christ to be formed in us. There is no other crucible that you will be put in than when you put your life in with another person and begin to live life with them. It's just, there's no, no matter how much preparation you try to make for it, the pressures that come bring everything out, everything out, the good, the bad, the ugly, the shutting down, the raising the voice, the stonewalling, the glass, the gaslighting, the blaming, the blame shifting. Come on now, the, the, I, you know, the pointing of the finger, all these things. And it's all like, oh, wow. We need Jesus. Jesus, if we're to reflect you, if marriage is to be a picture of Christ in the church, you are really going to have to work on that woman. <laughs> That's what we think. That's what we think. And that, Or you're really going to have to fix that man. Because, God, if you don't fix him, I'm going to fix him. <laughs> and then the war begins. You know, opposites attract, and then they attack. It, 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 it happens. And it, um, the second thing for the non-negotiable was the word of God is inspired and instructs our worship. It's the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. We do not believe the Bible is God's great suggestion book. We believe the Bible is the living, active word of God. And we're, we're going to do our best to yield to it and submit to it. And to honor God through honoring his word. I don't, we don't worship the Bible, but the Bible directs our worship. And it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we were both, we had to be in agreement on it. There was going to be no marriage. Yeah. Did you want to say anything more about that? No, go ahead. <laughs> no. See, I leave her speechless. It does happen. <laughs> A third thing, we were dating about three months, I think it was. Um, we'd, been, we'd been dating about three months, and I came to her, and I said, okay. I said, for this to go any further, um, I need to know. Uh, I said, I'm called to ministry. I'm, I know I'm called. I know. That's why I'm in Bible college. Uh, I've fought God on this. I've already wrestled through all that. He won. I've yielded and I've surrendered to a life call to, to pastoral ministry. And I need to know if you have that same call. Because if, if you don't, then we need to, and I was being real spiritual. Jesus was three days and yes, three nights did. in the grave. And then yes, so I'm three months into a marriage. I'm thinking three is a biblical number to, you know, understand. Like I shouldn't mess around with her emotions or her heart if I'm not intentional about going any further. And, and I don't want to mess around with her emotions or her heart if she's not intentional about being married to a pastor and have a, a call on her life. You see, I mean, because a lot of times people, you know, this is, we experiment around and we end up hurting people. And it's like, no, I'm going to wait and just let God see who my Eve is to be. 
and I'm not against dating, but I'm, I'm, you know, there's no, no shacking up and all this other nonsense. That's a, that's totally against God's word, and it totally doesn't bring the outcome that heaven is wanting. And so this was just in our heart. So we made, we were both called to ministry, right. not just one of us, but both of us were. Right. It's interesting because um, I had already graduated from Bible college. Philip was in his last year. And honestly, my whole focus was I did not, really wasn't planning on getting married and actually had aspirations to go do missions work and to do that kind of alone. And then we struck up this friendship and God started working on my heart going, well, maybe Maybe this is, you know, supposed to be something more than just friends. And so that's where the three-month thing, I just kind of was like this, you know, kind of keep your distance. And that's when he came, and I thought, oh, Lord, you're using the analogy of, you know, three and all the <laughs> spiritual things of three. And, and uh, so it was, just, it was just interesting. But three things I said I would never do growing up. I would never go to Bible college. I would never, ever marry a pastor, and I would never work with youth. Those are the three things I said I would never do. And then I ended up doing this. So don't ever say that. Don't, don't do that if you're a young person in the room. The, all the three things you're not going to do, because you probably will end up doing those somehow. But my, I knew that I was called into ministry. So that, that was not even a question. But as far as being a pastor's wife and, and what that looked like, I had no idea because I, had, I didn't grow up in ministry. And so um, it, it was really, it was just a God thing as we continued our friendship and then, and then we went on a, a missions trip for seven weeks in Jamaica. With 40 other, oh, 100 other No, 100. People. Yeah, 100 so other just people. not like the two of us. No, no, no. Just, just total accountability and separate rooms and all that stuff. Like it was a godly. Se separate rooms, separate towns. Well, separate towns. You were on a different team. Yeah. <laughs> just to clarify, you know, because. Yeah. But yeah, know, that was important to, to um, solidify that. Susan touched on something real important. Lordship. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is not just your Savior. He is Lord and Savior. And so many people accept him as Savior, but they're not accepting him as Lord. They want a ticket to heaven. And when she said, I'll never do this, I'll never do that, I'll never, then when you do that, when you make those, those vows, you are automatically putting yourself in opposition to the Lordship of Christ. Yeah. Because now you're in charge. When he's Lord, you're no longer in charge. When he is Lord, you wrote the check already. You already signed it. Whatever you want to do with my life, you get to do because you're the Savior. You're the Lord. I'm not. And that's what true repentance is about. And, and that's why a lot of us aren't experiencing the fullness of God, whether individually as singles or even in our marriage life, because we're not dead yet. And we're not totally surrendered I'm serious about this. It's, we, we, it's all about us and my happiness and my fulfillment and my purpose and my calling and my, 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 my. And it's not. It's about God's call. It's about God's purpose. It's about God's heart. Did we not just sing, I need you? Oh, God, how I need you. 
I, I tell you, I need God. I need his heart. I need his mind. I need his thoughts. I need his favor. I need his mercy. I need his grace. I need his understanding. I need the fear of God. I need God. And this is what we meant when we were saying these are the non-negotiables. God, his word, commitment to God, to one another, honoring God. This is like, this is foundational. And it's going to be foundational whether you're married here or not. Whether your marriage didn't make it or it did make, it's making it. These are things that we need in our life. You need them in your friendships. You need them in your relationships. And then the fourth thing was that we've learned here is that, you know, a ceremony is just that. It's a ceremony. It, it's a big deal. It, marriage is more than a piece of paper. It's, it's God. It's a covenant. But man, did we not understand the two shall become one flesh. The process. Oh, man. Oh, I thought it was just having sex. Yeah, we, we do that. It's biblical. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's so embarrassing for kids to hear that think your parents actually, you know, do it. Okay, move on. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I thought. I mean, that's why I say I was clueless. It's really clueless what, like, I just ignored that. Like, the two shall become one flesh. It's a process, and it's been, it's still a process. There are still moments we both look at each other and go, what were we thinking? And we, we are looking like, who are you? To this day, still is like, I don't even know. I never think that. Oh. <laughs> God forgive her. She knows exactly what she does. <laughs> I'm praying. See, mercy. You got to have mercy. So. Yeah, well, and I mentioned it a minute ago, but, you know, you go through, like Philip said, we had a wedding last night, and you hear about the three-stranded cord. It's spirit, soul, and body. And that's, those three things are working together to become one flesh. And it takes work, and it's hard, and you have to keep saying yes and making the decision because especially, you know, we talked about pressure. When, when we get squeezed, what's in us comes out. And working through that and, the, and just the process, but allowing God to be who he is and who he wants to be makes all the difference and and leaning into him and and you know wanting to to do the right thing even though for a you know a time like I, I remember in the very beginning Philip would I would do something I'm sure it was very small and uh he would he he would be mad or whatever and or, or, or I would do something and I would say um I'm sorry and he would immediately forgive me and that really ticked me off because I didn't, that's not the way I forgave. I forgave after I thought about it and let it, it was like a crock pot kind of thing. It's like, I had to keep, you know, revisiting that. And, and we all know what happens when you do that. It becomes way bigger than the actual event. But um, I just remember just learning. It's like, okay, I have got to make 
the decision to forgive and, and over the years learning that and actually learning from him. It's like, wow, he's got something here I need. And, it, and that's how it works. God wants to use him to, to, to deal with my heart and he wants to use me to deal with his heart. Hmm. And it's all, it's all part of the process and it's messy and it's muddy and it's, but I want to just say this because we did just come off of a week just T and I, because we normally do lots of traveling with friends. I, I would say our marriage, which this is a good thing, is th the healthiest today that it's ever been. It, it's the healthiest it's ever been. We're, we actually have fun. It's like they're just the, I don't know, the little things don't bug us anymore. It, it's just, I don't know, it's just different. Oh, well, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the point I think that, that we came we were by the grace of God and here to understand it's the grace of God yeah the grace of God oh, I need the grace of God the empowering presence of God to be all that we've been called to be to do all that we've been called to do and committed to the process and so we're not committed to not getting a divorce we're committed to the process of becoming like Christ See, it's, it's a terrible reason to exist in any relationship because we're not going to be like them. I mean, so many estab people establish little cults and little all kinds of social things because we're not going to be like them. And it's like, that, that's a terrible reason for existence. We want to exist because we want to be like God. I want to be like Christ. <laughs> it's not because we're not them. It's because we want to bring honor to him. Right. We want to connect with the God who created us. And that's the thing. For, for, and so commitment to the process because it's, it is a process. Friendships are a process. Business relationships are a process. Why? Because you're dealing with human beings that have feelings and emotions. And that's what's the great deception about so much that's in the earth today. It's all so superficial. Pornography is all about objectification and not recognizing that this is a human being with feelings and opinions and thoughts and desires. It's not just a body. It's just not an act. And that's, so we could go that about all kinds of stuff, money, everything. It's, it's got emotion attached to it. And that's why it all needs to come under Jesus. It all needs to come under the Holy Spirit, all of it, all of our life. The, the fifth thing is, is that we got deceived into believing that we were each other's enemies. No, I believe you were the enemy. <laughs> Well, that was the problem. And so Eve was deceived. <laughs> so talk about that. Well, we, we actually went through, I think it was a connect group or something or a, a ministry. I think it was Nova Shalom. Nova Shalom. Yeah. And I don't know if that even exists anymore. But, um, and, and the speaker that we were listening to said, you have got to identify that you are not each other's enemy. Right. There is an enemy. There is an enemy who does not want your marriage to flourish and to go the distance and to succeed. 
There is an enemy working, the word says, to kill, steal, and to destroy. And the little things can be really big things, as we all know, if we've been married for more than a day. Um, and, and all the issues of our heart. But, when we, but that was a revelation for both of us, that it's like, oh, you're not the enemy. When I don't think we consciously said that, but believing it's like, it's all him. And, of course, he thought it was all me, but it was really all him. Yeah, in that moment, it was a, it was a revelation. We're like, why are we fighting each other? How did, what happened that we, we wanted to enter into a commitment that we couldn't think we could do life without each other? So we got married, and then we're like, I don't even know if I like you. It's like, what happens there? And we realize yeah. there's an enemy. But we thought we were each other's enemies. And so what we had to do is... Instead of getting on across the table from each other, we got on the same side of the table, and then we said, there's the enemy. Now we're going to go after him. Yeah. We're going to fight. We're going to quit fighting each other, and we're going to fight the real issues, and we're going to get to the root of them and let God come in and right. defeat our enemy right. for us. And that was just a huge revelation for us. And mm -hmm. so I encourage you to, to get that revelation, like grab hold of it. This is then um, <clears throat> a sixth thing here. Um, we we came. We've been many times through the course of these forty years on a counselor's couch. We recognized, and by the grace of God, that we weren't we were stuck, and we needed help. And we needed help from people who were gifted yeah. and grace to help, who had giftings and grace upon their life to, you know, for us to swallow our pride. And so we'll just pray it through or we'll just, we can figure this out and recognize that we don't do everything else in life that way. We consult an attorney if we need one. We get a plumber if we never, most people will. <laughs> Some won't and you go see their work and you go, well, you didn't. Anyway, my dad taught me that, hey, you know, uh, we could do this for 100 or we could do this for $500 or we could pay a contractor for, and he'd do it for 100 <laughs> Let me say that again. Do you all get that? My dad taught me, you know, we can do this for 500 but we can pay someone who knows what they're doing to do it for 100 That's wise counsel. Because there's truth in it. And I don't want to, we don't, we don't have the time or the money to spend a $500 learning curve when we're not going to make a living doing this. So you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to hold them. <laughs> you know, come on now. And so we, we got stuck in many times through not just early on, but through different seasons. We were stuck. And we had to swallow our pride and go and say, we need help. We need insight. And we were, we have to do the heart work, the heart work, H-E-A-R-T, heart work. And a lot of people aren't willing to do it. They're, we're proudful, we're arrogant, we're narcissistic, 
we're sociopathic in ways. I mean, not all of us are totally 100% that, but we probably all, because of our fallen nature, can have stonewalling. There's all kinds of things that go on. How many men know the temperature in the room changed, but the thermostat hadn't been touched? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you like, mm-mm, what have I done now? What, what, what's, what's happened now? What, that's, those are soul issues. Yeah, and we, you know, roots produce fruit. And so there were these, that there was fruit in our life. And we love Jesus. We, we love the, the church. We were building the church. We were leaders in the church. And yet we both had fruit in our life that was not 1 Corinthians 13. Love, joy, peace, patience. It was, it was the fruit of anger, the fruit of unforgiveness, unforgiveness bitterness, resentment, all, all of that. And so we learned that, that Jesus didn't create us to live with this burden, with this heaviness on us. But because we live in a fallen world and we, we didn't have, we didn't grow up with, you know, perfect authority figures. And so things were said to us and done to us that planted things in our soul. And so the, 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 probably one of the best things where we learned how to uproot the roots of rejection, rebellion, those things that were producing this fruit in our life. Because we would go around the mountain and we would cry and we would forgive each other and, and all these things. And so doing, that's part of doing heart work is realizing that there are things that have been planted in us that God wants to come in his grace and his mercy and uproot that so that the love of God, so that love can be the root that is producing the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that fruit. And so that, that made a world of difference for us. Yeah, the whole issue of false beliefs yeah. um, that you don't know you have, a lot of times they're covered up and justified. And counseling and ministries like Discover Freedom, others help bring that out so you stop producing that fruit. Uh, it's real freedom. It's what we call real freedom. Yeah. And we stop attacking each other and recognize, wow, the issue was inside of me and the way I was seeing it and believing it and the lens at which I was looking at it. Yeah. We're going to, we got several of these and maybe uh, we should continue this. I don't know if it's helpful to you all. If you all, I know it's not preaching per se, but um, the thing too, I mean, some of this stuff wasn't written or we didn't know about before we got married. Like I say, clueless uh, was our personality. And, and so when people are like, oh, you can't do personality studies that are not biblical. And I'm like, oh, come on, please. Are you kidding me? It's like the scripture says, observe observe the lilies, observe the squirrels, observe the birds of the air. And so, yeah, it's, uh, well, it says something about squirrels in the Bible, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Shoot and kill, <laughs> eat. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing was, Peter had the dream. It was, yeah, kill and eat. Yes, it's there, Bible. All right. Um, your love language, um, we had to learn that we're not in competition with each other. This isn't, and I don't need to change you and you don't need to change me, but God formed us to complement each other, to be compliments. The gifts that she's been given complement me. The gifts I've been given 
compliment her. And as we yield to that, instead of fighting each other for position, it's like, no, we're, Ephesians is about a dance. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. It's learning how to dance, how to get in tune with the music of heaven and, and learning the rhythm that we're both attempting to do instead of seeing each other as well. You know, you complete me and I complete you. Listen, no human being will ever complete you. You've got to get that out of your life. Well, I just need someone to complete me. No, God can only complete you. In Christ, we are complete. Our identity in Christ, we're complete. I'm not half a person without Susan. She's not my better half. She's way more beautiful than two of me combined could be. <laughs> are you hearing me on this? Yeah, so many... Um people think uh, you're half a person looking for your other half. God wants you to be a whole person looking for a whole person. And perfect person, no. It's not even, it's not even possible. But a whole person knowing who they are, their identities in Christ, and then, and then coming together. And it's the great mystery, right? And then coming together and becoming one. It, it's the mystery of, of heaven. But that is so incredibly important. And I think there's this lie today in our society that I'm just half a person looking for my other half. My, you know, like he said, we watched a show last week. I'm just looking for my person. And it's like, how sad. Yeah, so I think the thing, and you know what? I think we'll just, we're we're going to pause here and maybe come back. And if you don't want to come back next week, you'll know what's on the agenda. So, I mean, you know, we, we, Americans love choice, and they like freedom to choose, and so we'll, we'll give you that. Um, I think this is so important, though, this piece right here. Um, instead of trying to find the person or find the perfect fit, why don't you seek to be the perfect fit? And not perfect in the sense of perfection, but in the sense of, I know who I am. I know, I know what God's put in me. I'm, I'm, I'm content in Christ. I'm complete in Christ. And I'm just going to be good in my skin. I'm going to be good in the, what, what God's downloaded. I'm going to seek to yield to the Holy Spirit that it might, any parts of it could be improved. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be teachable. I'm getting into some other things that have just, we've learned that are necessary if we're going to honor God in our relationships and not just in our marriage, but in our relationships, in our friendships. And so, um, yeah, why don't we stand and uh, we'll just uh, pray here and then, I don't know, we can go back. You got a good song like Wayne Watson and Watercolor ponies. How many remember Wayne Watson? Watercolor ponies. What, baby, what are we going to do when it comes back to me and you and watercolor ponies right away? Oh, it's a tear jerk song. And uh, it, it's a great song. It's a Christian song, Wayne Watson. But there was a time in our life when that song was being sung when we we're young in our marriage. And my wife is like, and it wasn't all that great. And she's thinking, 
oh my God, I'm gonna be stuck with you after the kids are gone. Like I, seriously, seriously, the, the, the season of like, what are we gonna, like you, you, you are gonna, like these babies are my life right now. And I don't know that I like you a whole lot. And we're gonna, just the two of us. And those are moments where you realize, wow, this isn't, this isn't God's will. We've got to get some work done. So I, I, let's, Father, we pray. We pray that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, our honesty and openness and sharing will help your, us today, all of us, to be committed, God, first and foremost to you. So church, I bless you. I, we, Susan and I, we bless you to be committed to God, to, to surrender to his love, to surrender to his mercy. To, to put him first. Just go ahead and surrender that battle. Go ahead and make him Lord of your life. And surrender to the, the commands of Scripture. Surrender to the power of the Scripture. Not just to tell you what's right and wrong, but to guide you and give you direction and empower you and renew your mind. And I bless you. I bless you. We bless you to be committed to the process committed to the process of being Christ-like in all of your relationships, whether you're married or not, whether you're struggling right now or whether you're not. May the grace of God and the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit be upon you all. Sons and daughters, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, grandpas and grandpas, may the grace of God be upon you to be all that God's called you to be, to do all that God's called you to do, and to be Christ to your world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give him honor. Give him glory. Give him.